from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. You know, this week, yeah, it's an inflation week with CPI uh, being the main focus. And, you know, that's another reason, by the way, to be a little concerned about earnings because producer price inflation is stronger than consumer price inflation. And that squeezes margins, right? Because wholesalers are not selling stuff for as much uh, as they're paying. The other economic data point this week to watch is retail sales. That'll be up most likely. And again, reflecting all of the consumer savings. Uh, Certainly, again, as COVID wanes, we should see pretty good consumer spending numbers. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich and Jeff Bookbinder. So, Jeff, I'm here this week because we're recording this in person, obviously. But next week, you're going to miss me, aren't you? I'm beachbound for the Dominican Republic. How, How are you possibly? going to do this podcast without me well i guess i can say we've done it without you a couple times before and by all accounts much is fine so it won't be as good without you but we'll still uh i think put a put a good show out there for you i would argue in some cases it probably was better so that's right so emily and i are heading down so we're recording this let's see tuesday morning so if all goes well wednesday morning in 24 hours we'll be on a flight to the dominican republic for our 15-year anniversary, which is actually on the 14th, but um, so we're flying down there, and we just, Jeff and I were just talking before this podcast, we're flying my mother-in-law in tonight from Cincinnati to watch the kids for the um, four nights we're gone, so hopefully she gets here <laughs> with no no issues, but we'll, we'll see, um, and you know, Jeff, something I learned, I guess on a passport, you know how it's got an expiration date? I mean, you've, I assume you have a passport, right? Sure. Yeah. So it's got an expiration date. What someone told me, and I, I, I need to verify this, apparently, like, so let's say it says December of this year, December 21st. That's not right. It actually expires six months before the expiration month on your passport. Apparently, this has got many, many people over the years. And I'm like, well, yeah, that would probably get me. So maybe with listeners, you let me know for sure. But I heard from a pretty credible source that that gets people all the time. That makes no sense, does it? <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but I have heard that too. Okay. I didn't know well, exactly what the yeah. lead time was, but I knew right. it was at least a, a couple of months. Yeah, apparently six months. So just if you're going somewhere, double check that. And um, a lot of good vacations have been ruined. But anyway, let's not talk about things that are ruined. Let's talk about things that are happening and shaking. So this week in the LPL Market Sales Podcast, Jeff and I are going to discuss a little bit about Washington, Washington kicked the can. You listened a week ago. We said they're probably going to kick the can. We'll still, we'll still dive into that. Really going to spend a good amount of time focusing on earnings. It's amazing. You blink. It's earnings season. Third quarter earnings are starting up literally like as we speak. So Jeff is our earnings guru. Going to see what his crystal ball tells us about earnings season. Then we're going to wind things up talking a little bit about little. I get so excited. I, I, st- I stutter there. Little bit about um, last week's jobs miss. And then some other economic data that's out there. So, so Jeff, again, let's just get into it. Washington kicked the can 79th time. We've increased the debt ceiling since 1960. 39 of those, um, I believe it's, what is the number? Well, the majority, put it this way, more, more times out of Republicans, forget all of a sudden, but there have been more Republican presidents that have kicked the can than Democratic presidents. Um, every president since Hoover now has increased the debt ceiling. You said a week ago you expected it to happen. I mean, any other kind of thoughts as we kind of digest what this means to December 3rd as we kick the can to them? 
Yeah, I mean, we're right back where we started. We're going to have to kick the can again. Uh, so, you know, that might be January because they can use extraordinary measures, move some dollars around and, um, you know, still pay the bills until uh, January. So we, we've got a little bit of breathing room and that allows the Democrats to focus on their agenda uh, to get the, uh, you know, two massive infrastructure packages passed. Uh, if they can, we're, we are hearing that the human infrastructure, you know, with the social programs is being scaled back significantly. That's what we and pretty much every policy watcher on Washington expected. Uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see just where that uh, uh, that number lands. So bottom line, don't pay attention to the debt ceiling. It's going to be kicked again. It doesn't really matter so much at this point how it gets done. Uh, but neither party is going to um, cause the U.S. to default on its debt. It just won't happen. Yeah, that would be a, a rough stain on, on any politician if that were to take place. Remember in 2011, they waited until two days before the actual day, I guess, when the government was supposed to run out of money. And that was close enough for the S&P to downgrade the U.S. debt. And a lot of us remember that. It came out, I think I said they tried to pull a fast one. Like at 4.30 on a Friday, that debt downgrade came out and futures just crashed coming the next Monday. Futures crashed. I believe we had like a 19% correction in only four or five days. A lot of our LPL, more than 18, I'm sorry, more than 19,000 LPL advisors. We didn't have this many back in 20, 2011, but I know a lot of you remember that was during our big focus conference, our annual conference in Chicago, when um, a lot of people had to do some work <laughs> because the market was crashing. But what I'm getting at is I think Washington understands we shouldn't wait till two days before. We need to do something sooner. Now, Barry Gilbert on our team, Jeff, put together a really nice piece, weekly market commentary, talking about a lot of these concepts. He answered actually 13 common questions as it pertains to kind of debt and the debt ceiling. I want to dig a little bit more in. So if they kick the can, I believe they can maybe do reconciliation. Do you think it'll be with reconciliation? And, and you can only use reconciliation a couple times a year, right? So kind of how do all that fit in? I mean, this is this is politics, right? Do we use it? Do we not? Do we get Republicans? You know, what, what's your take on this? Yeah, it's looking like the Democrats will use reconciliation to do this. The Republicans seem to be standing firm mm -hmm. uh, until the Democrats do it themselves, because they, of course, uh, have the majorities in all the um, branches of government. If they do reconciliation to raise the debt ceiling, they still can use reconciliation again to pass the um, infrastructure package, the second one, the $3.5 trillion right, uh, right. Dollar package. Uh, but then they'd have to get the hard infrastructure package done via uh, bipartisan support. And they do have Republican support in the Senate for that. That's a $1.2 trillion hard infrastructure package. So we'll, we'll probably get a total of around $3 trillion when all is said and done. But um, uh, you know, I don't think there's any reason not to use reconciliation if the Republicans uh, continue to stand their ground. Yeah, now I guess, let's see, it's called the BBB, right? Build Back Better. That's the human infrastructure. I believe I saw it's 2,456 pages. <laughs> I don't know if that's normal. I mean, this is, we're talking trillions of dollars, so I guess you need to have a lot of pages. How many of those pages have you read, Jeff? You and I are, you and I are quote unquote, experts. You read any of those 2,456 pages yet? I've read some excerpts. <laughs> that have been cited by third-party policy analysts. How about that? 
That's that's a that's the answer. Believe me, I'm read. I don't think I've read one page of it to be honest. But I've read a lot of third party um, research as well. So kind of playful. I, I I assume that's probably one of the bigger pages to anything we've ever done. But also, it's also one of the biggest trillions of dollars we've ever potentially spent. Um, you know, and Jeff, I mean, one other part of this, I guess, is higher taxes, right? You have to finance this somehow. Now, we're going to talk about the economy here in a little bit, so I'm not even sure if I want to dig too much into this, but the Atlanta Fed now is saying, Atlanta GDP Fed now is saying like 1.2% GDP in the third quarter. I mean, we're seeing some weak-ish. How in the world can we increase taxes if the, if the economy's starting to show some signs of weakness, right? I mean, this is a question we get every single day from our advisors and their clients. Well, I would say that the Democrats... Um need some of this to pass, right? Mm -hmm. This is their signature achievement of the first two years of the Biden administration. Yep. They, um, you know, there's a decent chance that they're gonna lose the House. Uh, well, could, could lose the Senate, but certainly decent odds based on history that the House um, switches parties. So they really, they really need this, um, regardless of how big it is. Uh, so um, sure, it's difficult to raise taxes um, in, um, you know, a soft economy, but uh, certainly we and most economists out there think we'll get a little bit of a bounce right. in the fourth quarter. This is temporary. This is largely COVID related. And so, and, and frankly, one, one, two percent for a soft quarter, is pretty darn good, actually. Right. You'd, an, you know, annualize that out. It's not terrible. So um, growth will get better. And uh, it's probably not enough to stop the Democrats from moving forward. Mm -hmm. uh, great point, sir. I think that's the we're going to talk more about the economy soon, but I think it is more of a soft patch right now with likely a stronger economy as we head into next year and into 2022. That's why to help finance all of this, likely higher taxes are coming. So Jeff, that good discussion there again. Please guys read the weekly market commentary where we answered 13 common questions about debt and the debt ceiling. So Jeff, this one hurts, but I'm going to do it. It's taken me a couple of days to get over this. Did anybody see the Cincinnati Bengals game on Sunday? For the first time in NFL history, there were five consecutive missed kicks with less than two minutes to go in the games, less than two minutes in plus overtime. All right, two of them by the Bengals kicker, three of them by the, um, the Packers kicker. Literally, the Cincinnati Bengals kicker and the special teams celebrated one of the misses. Now, they thought it went in. They were dead wrong. Um, I've never seen anything like it. It just, I think it took years of off my life. You think you're going to win, think you're going to lose. Just, just, just frustrating all around. I know, Jeff, your Chiefs have struggled, so we don't need to go there. But you and I are just, it was, it was a rough Sunday, was it not? Very rough. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I, I still think, um, you know, both teams have positive outlooks. There's a lot to be excited about for the next, you know, year or two, certainly at least, but oh, tough. Tough weekend, no doubt. Yeah, proof, I mean, five missed. I don't care if you're kicking 60 yards in a row. The way these guys are so automatic, like, that's just amazing to miss five in a row when when they any one of them could have literally won the game. But anyway, my Bengals are still hanging in there. But that one, that was a rough one. Aaron Rodgers got us again. So enough personal stuff. Jeff, let's focus a little bit on third quarter earnings, which are here. We, we joked literally the last two quarters. I know I've got these. Numbers here in front of me. Let me give me one second. I'll find it, I think. Okay, at the um, start of the first quarter, earnings were expected to be up 24%, ended up being up 52% year over year. Second quarter, expected to be up 63%, came in up 90% in the second quarter. 
And now this quarter is expected to be about 28%. Jeff, we're going to see another 25, 30, 30% beat or what, what's your take on this quarter? No. Um, I mean, I was surprised last quarter mm-hmm. by how much corporate America blew away estimates, but yeah. this quarter, they're just, you know, too many macro headwinds. And fr- frankly, we also have, you know, estimate data, you know, in recent months that point to less upside. So it, right. it's not just because there's all these headlines about uh, supply chain challenges. And, you know, we've had some profit warnings from some big name companies that are, you know, certainly um, Nike and name we all know, you know, FedEx, Sherwin-Williams. I mean, we know airlines are having trouble. You know, there's a number of uh, industries out there uh, that are that are seeing challenges, right? Um, so, but if you forget about the headlines and just look at what's happened to estimates uh, recently. I believe we call not, that peeling back the onion, right? Peeling, peeling back, back the, the onion, onion, that's right. Maybe yeah. we should rename, yeah. rename Market Signals peeling about the onion podcast although it doesn't quite have the same cachet (laughs) so you know we you know over the last couple quarters you look at estimates heading into earnings season and they were up significantly you know six seven percent plus this quarter they've only been up high twos so that's one piece then you just look at the ratio of companies giving good guidance versus bad guidance and it's also worse than the last couple of quarters. It's still pretty good. So we still think we'll get average upside, but um, it's not as good as what we've seen uh, the, the last couple of quarters. So um, consensus is just checked this morning, 28% year over year earnings growth, according to facts that we could make a run at 40, but that would frankly be amazing uh, given the, um, the headwinds out there on the cost side. And frankly, COVID affects demand too, because you know, this this happened with Nike, right? If you can't get the goods, you can't sell them, <laughs> right? So um, there's a demand piece of this, and there's also um, a supply piece which affects margins. Uh, it's more expensive for a variety of things, as we've seen. We've been talking about inflation pressures here on this podcast for a number of months. Um, it's it's going to be tricky, but um, you know, maybe something in the mid 30s would be reasonable to expect uh, based on history. Let's call it a six to eight percentage point upside surprise. I think is probably where we'll land. Well, that obviously, if we land there, that'd be nice. Uh, Sam Stovall, friend of the show from CFRA, according to Sam, he said since 2009, 47 of 48 quarters beat the estimates, right? So the estimates right now, 28. You're going with history, probably going to come in a little bit higher than that. Sam pointed out only the second quarter of 2020, which obviously was COVID was the only quarter that didn't beat estimates, according at least to Sam there. So history does say probably going to beat those estimates. Now, Jeff, when I look back at who's supposed to do well, I see materials up 90%, industrials up 75%, real estate up 56%. Those three all feel kind of like a reopening play. On the downside, utilities down 3%, uh, consumer discretionary down 14%, staples up 3 healthcare up 12 financials up 12 is it as simple as that? We're just see most of the big moves are going to come from the beaten up areas from a year ago because it's all about the reopening. Absolutely. Right. The, the sectors that struggled the most during the pandemic, you just certainly listed uh, some yeah. of them, um, natural resources and, and industrials. Those are the sectors that are seeing the biggest rebounds off of those Q3 2020 lows. 
Now, correct me if I'm wrong, last quarter, wasn't revenue up like 24 or 25%, an all-time record? It was something like that, right? I know it was an all-time record, right? Wasn't it up something like that? It was remember? it was an all-time record uh, yeah. in the low 20s. Uh, yeah. And certainly, you know, we'll see a slowing, slowing revenue growth this quarter, but just like we'll see slowing earnings. I mean, you, you just can't replicate uh, the year-over-year growth off of the lockdowns of Q2 2020. Right. So, you know, don't focus too much on slowing growth, you know, 90% to 30 or 90% to 40. These are still really strong growth numbers. Uh, They're just distorted a little bit by what was going on in in the summer of last year. Absolutely. I mean, so that's why I was getting at the earnings are big. Hey, that's great. Right. But you you want to see revenue up too, right? You want to see, you want to see kind of both of them playing along. Revenue is expected to be up about 14% in the third quarter which would obviously be a really solid number. Maybe even get a couple percent above that. Let's call 15, 16 or so and get mid 30 earnings. That's not too bad. I had one other thing I wanted to say here, Jeff, give me one second. Um, I guess, yeah, here we go. So, you know, what? one of the things obviously we're gonna probably talk a lot about the next couple of weeks. Okay, earnings numbers are one thing, but it's what corporate America is saying about the supply chain issues and about inflation. Kind of the, the things we've been talking about literally for feels like well over a year now. Um, now, here's my question to you, Jeff. The Economist recently had a cover story that said the shortage economy. All right. Barron's had one called the big cargo crunch. We've talked on this. It's called market signals for a reason because we're looking for signals of the market. When things are on the cover of magazines, I have to think a lot of that is probably priced in. I guess we'll see what corporate America says. But do you think we're peak knowing it's peak uh, um, shortage everything? I mean, when I see these cover stories, that's kind of where I lay. What do you think corporate America will say in the Q&A sessions of these um uh, earnings seasons uh, or these uh, earnings um, confessions that they have, I guess we'll say. Sure, it, it probably is peak shortages, but um, we might stay near the peak for a couple more quarters. Okay. Right. Um, I mean, each each material or each you know industry uh, in terms of labor has its own unique issues, and so you know building a semiconductor plant takes a lot longer. Turning on a well that's already there is, is is a little bit quicker, of course, and you know, putting people back into services jobs that are reopening you can do quicker. So you know, it's um, there, there's a it's a multi speed recovery, right? Uh, so um, you know, maybe maybe two more quarters uh, is about all we need to clean up most of this. But there'll be you know certain segments that will be be struggling, frankly, with some of these. Uh, shortages uh, for even longer. And that's why you hear a lot of folks talk about maybe this inflation isn't transitory. Um, maybe in the second half of 2022, we're still, you know, looking at um, elevated prices for a lot of these, um, you know, components and various inputs for 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 goods uh, across the economy. So remember, I, I've got my hot tub, right? And I mentioned on the show before that I my cover had a leak after two years, two and a half years in the South Carolina sun, it just cracked. And when it rained, some water would get in the cover and then the cover would weigh like a thousand pounds and I'd hurt my back trying to open it. Um, anyway, so I ordered the new cover. They said it'd be about six or no, sorry. One place at like 22 or 23 weeks. Another place told me about eight weeks. About eight weeks is like right now. I called them and they said, we have no idea when it will be here. <laughs> so hopefully it's still going to be here tomorrow, but um, that's just the real world supply issues. Uh, that we're dealing with for sure. Um, let me see. I don't think, uh, the links, you know, Jeff, those are really, I guess, what I wanted to talk about for earnings season. Anything else you want to talk about before we move forward? Yeah, just, just look for the guidance to be a little bit more cautious than it's been 
the last couple quarters that probably you know again the supply chain challenges <clears throat> are certainly going to be uh, impacting companies longer and uh, that likely means it'll be tough for stocks to react positively right maybe the whole market will do okay uh, but this could be a source of some volatility as uh, the market adjusts to um, a more muted near-term outlook so look for that yeah you know and now i remember what i wanted to say you were talking about the supply chain issues how it's likely going to be a couple more quarters probably in a lot of cases maybe even longer in some cases uh, we have some positive news. Uh, there's a couple different reports that a plant in Ho Chi Minh City, I don't know where that is exactly, but they make a lot of semiconductors, I can tell you that. And in, uh, it's a plant that is, I guess, Intel and Samsung is opening up for full operations by the end of November. And Toyota Motors is looking to come back and restart by, sept by uh, December. So there's chip shortages and other shortages. It's clearly still impacting but it's nice to see some major companies um, announcing that they're going to start, at least looking to start to open things back up. So, Jeff, now we're going to play a new game. It's called Who You Got. Have you seen the billionaire battle between Elon Musk and um, Jeff Bezos? Bezos had a tweet about when, Am when Barron's had a cover story called Amazon Bomb. I believe it was May of uh, 99. Just talking about, you know, like the name would suggest, some pretty bearish things about why it wasn't going to work. And he, he said... Listen, this is great. I mean, Jeff Bezos said, listen and be open, but don't let anybody tell you who you are. This was just one of the many stories telling us the ways we're going to fail. Today, Amazon is one of the world's most successful companies, has revolutionized um, two entirely different industries. Elon Musk tweeted out a silver medal. <laughs> that was his reply, because he's the second richest man. I don't know. I think it's kind of funny when billionaires fight. Who you got in this one, Jeff? It's it's not a silver medal for anything space related. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he didn't add any color to that. Anyway, no, that's know. a good point. No, he did not. And I guess that's a good point, though. The way it was broadly assumed was because he's the second richest man. But maybe it's a space thing. I mean, you know, clearly these guys have super egos. I guess that's kind of what takes you to be driven to do what they have to do. But yeah, I thought it was, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I, I personally, I like Bezos a little bit more if you ask me, but I thought it was pretty funny that um, he got the silver medal. Do you want to take sides in this by chance or not? I'm, I'm taking Bezos. I just like him a little more. What do you think? Oh, you, we want to stay balanced on this podcast. So I'll just say uh, Elon okay. Musk did it. Nice job on Saturday Night Live. Leave it at uh, that. He did, yeah, he did. And Musk, Musk, Musk wins on Twitter. I mean, he, he loves mixing it up because I was looking for this tweet. And the stuff he says on Twitter, like literally you can tell he's the world's richest man because he just doesn't care. He just says, you know, the stuff he was saying about funded at 420 a long time ago with Tesla and different things. I mean, you know, he, he, you, okay, come get me. You know, like I'm the world's richest man. But anyway, kind of funny, kind of fun little, little, um, little stuff going on with uh, the world's billionaires arguing over uh, – things maybe don't matter as much but so let's finish it up jeff we're going to talk about the economy now another real world example i'm back by the way remember my phone died i think three weeks ago today and i had to go to the store verizon i couldn't find a phone the phone I, i'm a google guy right I, I want my pixel i couldn't find a pixel anywhere so i had to go with a samsung let's just say i did not like the samsung very much and i realized i could order a google phone through google show up two days later Took it to Verizon. Now I'm back with my Google Pixel 5a. Absolutely love it. It's just I'm just I'm just I'm, I'm so happy because um, I felt some pain when I was trying to use a different phone. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, but that's just a real world example. My daughter 
she she put her phone down. She had like an Apple something. I don't know. And put her phone down and broke it apparently. So I had to take her to go get her. So now she's got like a one of those Pro 13s. You know what? We went to two different Verizon stores. Literally nobody's got phones. We had to go to Best Buy to buy a Verizon phone through Best Buy. All I'm getting at, these are the real world examples that we're all dealing with continually where you, just common things a couple of years ago, just go get a phone. That's no big deal. Now you can't find them. You have to go to certain spots. Um, so that kind of leads to that supply chain discussion we kind of already had. But Jeff, I want to now move forward to the jobs number on, I guess it was last Friday, September jobs number. Um, oh my goodness, I'm going by memory. It's supposed to be 500,000. Remember, it came in short. Do you remember exactly the number it came in, Jeff? Was it 188? Yep. I, I 194. <laughs> Close enough for government work, not bad. Um, you know, big miss. I mean, you've had a couple of days to think about it. Are you worried about that big miss that we had on on uh, Friday? No, I mean, it, you know, again, we're we're going to get this economic burst here as the last phase of the reopening takes place. Right. So, um, you, you know, we the survey takes place in um, mid month, right? And so, in mid September, uh, the economy didn't really have enough time to bring the labor supply back. Right. You know, kids going back to school so more parents can work and, you know, maybe a little bit less um, of a drag from COVID and the uh, un supplemental unemployment benefits went away. Right. And so these are things that we think would would help the labor supply. Um, that's probably coming next month. Right. The next job support. So it'll be a mid-October survey. In fact, that survey wraps up here in just just a few days. Um, We'll, we'll probably see a pickup. Also, keep in mind that we had very positive revisions. Right. So while the you know September number wasn't great, uh, the August revisions were really strong. And then lastly, the um, that week number and, and the market didn't care, right? Just almost ignored it, right? Right, uh, which was good because you know obviously weak data can sometimes cause uh, stocks to fall. Uh, the the other factor is that you had distortions. From seasonal adjustments, right? Um, a lot of it in the education sector. So you get the, you know, the jobs number comes in, and then the government essentially adds a seasonal adjustment. So it's, you know, more comparable to the year ago period. Um, that caused some job, basically caused a job shortfall uh, for this month. So that's why the market ignored it, um, and we we see better days ahead. Yeah, I, mean, I think the key concept, again, is how does the market react to it, right? Okay, bad news. Quote, unquote, it's bad news. The market was like flat on Friday. 10-year yield was like flat. Yields dropped initially. 10-year yield still flirting with up over 160, which historically is really low. But it's well off those lows that we saw, you know, recently. I mean, I saw just earlier this week, Chinese, we're going to go around the globe here, Chinese yields actually had a big move higher. Wouldn't it be something with um, you know, all the talk about the trouble in China with Evergrande, if that like marked the lows of the slowdown in China, now we're starting to see some acceleration. By the way, that podcast, Jeff, that you and I did um, on Evergrande, and we compared it to, well, we didn't compare it to Bear Stearns. We asked the question, is this like another Bear Stearns moment, which we said no. Um, that was the most listened to and most downloaded podcast we've ever had. So thank you to all the listeners out there. We appreciate that. Keep, give us a like, give us a follow if you want to keep helping this podcast grow. I think it's almost as simple as when you have a 5% correction and some volatility, we know people are looking for more information. So, hey, you know, I, nobody really wants another bear market, but it can't it can help you grow some of the things we're doing. So if there's volatility that happens, we, we really appreciate it. People come up. Uh, come to us. So, so that's a little bit about jobs, Jeff. I think the thing, again, the key concept, the market shook it off, which is, which is nice. We're seeing global yields continue to go higher, which is the bond market's way of saying, hey, things aren't perfect, 
but likely stronger growth is coming. Um, the, the thing I want to build on, though, and we're showing this chart, chart or slide, I should say. Whoa, no, we're not. There it is. Slide on the YouTube channel. Just the idea that it takes a while for jobs to come back. We're still like 5 million jobs away from where we were pre-pandemic. All right, you look back at all the previous uh, cycles after a recession, how long it took for jobs to come back. I mean, Jeff, it was two, three, four, five, six years, right? For, it took six years after the last recession for jobs to come back. We lost a lot more jobs this time. Now it bounced back more. Um, but I think just it's important for people to remember, this is frustrating, right? The jobs aren't coming back. Remember retail sales came back in five months. A lot of the consumer things came back very soon. GDP officially now is above where it was pre-COVID. About the only thing that's not back to where it was, not only thing, but one of the big things is clearly jobs. But I guess the concept is that is normal for jobs to aggravate us. Now, Jeff, the last thing we're going to talk about, and I, I did talk about this earlier, but I want to have a little more of a conversation, that the um, Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta, GDP now, is looking for about 1% growth. Tell me about some things that you're seeing that suggest, okay, 1% now, maybe, maybe, right? But that aren't so worrisome. What, what are you seeing out there? Well, and first, you know, consumer spending is the biggest piece of GDP, mm -hmm. right? And consumers have a ton of savings, excess savings, right? right? I mean, there's trillions of dollars sitting in, you know, bank accounts and uh, money markets. So that's, that's one piece. Uh, and plus, as I mentioned, you know, COVID cases are coming down and, you know, some of the, um, you know, some of the regions that had been slower to come back can start to come back more. Uh, certainly that would suggest we'll get a little bit, bit of a push. And then last we had, um, you know, a big inventory drawdown. And so we got to restock inventories and that will lead to uh, a little bit of a rebound in economic activity over the rest of the year and into next year, frankly. So, you know, whether we get uh, one percent or not. I mean, e economist consensus is higher than one percent. This that's probably that one percent is probably a little low, um, but um, it, that um, that soft patch we think will be um, short lived. And um, you know, again, better better days ahead. Yeah, I mean, one we've talked a lot about is what's copper up to versus gold. All right, copper struggled a little bit. All of a sudden, the time we're recording this, copper is up like three or four percent. Those industrial metals are all taking leadership again, uh, relative to precious metals. That's usually risk on um, the Aussie dollar versus the Japanese yen. The, the, the Aussie dollar has been strong versus the yen recently. Usually risk on high beta versus low beta. We're seeing that leadership. Small caps doing a little bit better in large caps. Seeing that leadership. Oh, uh, what else is there? Um, you know, consumer discretionary versus consumer staples, seeing that leadership. So we get the headlines, right? But again, this is called market signals. We're seeing some signals from the stock market specifically, and other, not just the stock market, commodities market, stock market, um, that are suggesting, hey, there could be some better growth coming in the fourth quarter and into next year. So let's not ignore that. But again, 1% um, expected GDP, that number came out after the very weak jobs number. Um, but still maybe comes in a little bit better, but that's still a lot weaker than a six or 7% that was expected this time about two months ago. So Jeff, I know the big thing this week's inflation with CPI. So maybe talk to me a little bit about that and anything else this week that you're watching besides earnings, I guess, because we already said that's a big one this week. Sure. Um, well, by the way, we also have a lot of stimulus still coming through and likely more True. to come. <laughs> so that provides some stability. You know, this week, yeah, it's an inflation week with CPI uh, being the main focus. And, you know, that's another reason, by the way, to be a little concerned about earnings because producer price inflation is stronger than consumer price inflation. And that squeezes margins, right? Because wholesalers are not selling stuff 
for as much uh, as they're paying. So um, that's something to watch. Uh, the consensus for core consumer inflation is about 4%. That's not too scary in this environment uh, to me. And, and, and that could be the peak. You know, I'll go so far as to say the inflation we're seeing right now could be the worst uh, of this cycle. We'll have to see. That could be, maybe that's a little bold, but um, this may be about as bad as it gets. Hopefully it is. And some of those supply chain issues can be worked out and hopefully energy prices cooperate. But uh, that, that's where we're, we're likely to be in that 4% range. Um, the other economic data point this week to watch is retail sales. Yep. Uh, I believe it comes out Friday. That'll be up most likely. And again, reflecting all of the consumer savings. Consumers are still in excellent, excellent shape. And um, uh, certainly, again, as COVID wanes, we should see pretty good consumer spending numbers. Yeah, I'll just wrap it up like this. So we get the question a lot, a 28, 29, $30 trillion in the U.S. That's a lot of debt, no doubt about it, right? Um, but you look at consumers, trillions of dollars in savings and bank accounts in really good shape, FICO scores near some of the highest levels they've been in a long, long time. If you own a house, you probably have more equity because your house is up 20, 25% or so. Um, so the, the consumer's in good shape. And honestly, corporate America, we'll see about this earnings season like we talked about, but corporate America is in really good shape too. So it's kind of two sides this whole, oh my goodness, look at all this debt is going to end the world scenario. We, we don't think that. We've been saying that for a long time now. It's because consumers and businesses are in pretty good shape, all things considered and the u.s debt is a whole nother conversation which we could spend 30 minutes on we're not going to do that today but jeff thank you as always for the comments um my final words are i'm not here next week i'll be actually by monday or by the time we record this i guess i will be back but i'll be out the whole time leading up to it so i will not know what's going on in the world maybe next time you guys see me i'll have a tan I doubt it. I don't tan at all. I just burn, but you, you, you never know. So I, I, I'll guarantee this. I'm probably going to gain a few pounds. This resort, we're going to the sanctuary down in Dominican Republic. Food looks really, really good. I don't plan on doing too much other than sitting around eating and drinking for most of the time. So that should be, I guarantee that one. Compliance, I'm going to guarantee I gain weight. There, I said it. And I think hopefully I don't get in trouble for that because it's a, it's a guarantee I wouldn't bet against. Everybody, thanks again for being here. Jeff, thanks. Good luck with the show next week. I don't care what you do. Just don't mess it up. Everybody, we'll see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliate. 
audience. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations and may lose value.